0: talking to a, a friend of mine at um, at one of the offsites a team member friend of mine and she was like, I tell everybody about Thomasville even if I don't think they want to work here. I want everybody to know because the really sad fact of the matter and especially with this generation, my generation of millennials is that majority of people don't like where they work and that breaks my heart. I hate I hate that because I don't know what that feels like.
1: Welcome to the Restoration Playbook podcast by How. I'm Paul Silman, and the goal of this podcast is to give you an insight into how restoration industry's most innovative companies are building a world-class workforce one step at a time. We interview the biggest name in restoration and explore in-depth how they're building team culture, developing their employees, and strengthening loyalty, all while increasing their revenue. For today's inaugural episode, we're chatting with Andy Armand and Alexis Knight from Thomasville Restoration thomasville is in a league of its own when it comes to killer eye-catching branding and unsurprisingly their employee loyalty has skyrocketed at the same time you can't attend an industry conference without knowing exactly who's working for thomasville and anyone who lives in the region with a thomasville van will tell you the same thing about their fleet i sat down with alexis and andy to dive into why they decided to invest heavily into brand when it's hard to prove the roi and what impact they've seen on the employee morale and loyalty. They also walked me through a clear, proven process for determining company values your team can rally around and helping get buy-in at the entry level. If you're looking to increase employee loyalty while building an iconic brand, this is a podcast episode you don't want to miss. We'll kick off my interview with Andy and Alexis from Thomasville Restoration. But first, I'd like to take 30 seconds to tell you about KnowHow. KnowHow is a software tool for growing restoration companies who want to equip their staff with the information they need to succeed in their role. From tight, structured new employee onboarding to step-by-step guidance on how to use equipment out in the field, KnowHow ensures your workers are doing things the right way every time. Plus, with over 600 restoration industry templates on everything on how to use an injector drive to which Xactimate line item you should enter, you don't need to start from scratch to begin equipping your team. In fact, for listeners of this podcast, I created a comprehensive day one water mitigation checklist that anyone can use for free. Even if you're not a know-how customer, just head to try knowhow.com/slash podcast number one to view it, print it, or even send it to your team. We'll also throw a link in the show notes below. Welcome Alexis and Andy. So we'll go ahead and jump right in. Um, how would you guys unpack the Thomasville Restoration story in a few minutes to a newcomer to the industry?
0: So Thomasville Restoration started actually as Thomasville Homes. We were a new home developer and house flipper prior to right around when the recession hit uh, right around when the recession hit we needed to find something that we could do that would protect our team from being affected by the the market and the industry uh, and the thing is is that you know restoration is almost you know nothing's recession proof but almost recession proof so we started to get into the restoration industry and right around 2019 2018 right or is right around when Andy started um, and we were a smaller company, around 30 teammates at the time. And but when Andy started from 2019 ish, um, up until now we've more than tripled the size of our company, including our fleet and our team members, as well as our bottom line. So we have been very lucky and very uh, blessed to have the opportunity to grow as quickly as we have. And we, are just strapped in to the rocket ship that is Thomasville and we are just running as fast as we can to help as many families put their homes and lives back together as we can while making sure that our team loves where they work so that was that was shorter than a couple of minutes
1: (laughs) no that's perfect and you know one thing you just hit on right there was making your team you know love where they work so one thing we've seen is you know what led you guys to make these significant investments into like your brand, your visual identity. You know, I see on LinkedIn all the time. I can always tell where you guys are in a conference or be able to see you guys. You know, what kind of led into that?
2: Let let me let me take this and I'll let uh I'll let Alexis go in afterwards. Um but uh you know when when our founder Tom Niter, and I, who have been friends for twenty years, when we when we linked up like Alexa was saying a few years ago, you know, we we talked for months before we actually Kind of locked arms about this opportunity, and we both aligned that we, if we're going to do something, we're going to do something great. And I said, you know, we need a vision. We need to be able to paint a vision for our company and our team. You know that that is reasonable given where we are today. Even though Tom and I were dreaming of something much bigger, right down the road and build a legacy, we had to start with something that was digestible for the team that we had, so they didn't think that it was uh, snake oil. Right. So I came up with it I basically said, look, let's just focus on the mid-Atlantic region. At that point, we were primarily three or four counties in and around Baltimore, you know, touching on the upper portion of D.C., but not really in D.C. And that was where the concentration of our was. So I figured if we said mid-Atlantic, it was big enough, gray enough. It wasn't too daunting for, you know, our team to think about and digest. Um, you know, when we talk about being number one in the mid Atlantic region, we're not focused on revenue. We're focused on the quality of workmanship and customer service. And we believe and always will that if we take care of those two things, the top line will take care of itself. And then very quickly, after Tom said, Okay, I'm cool with that. Let's that's you know, worthy, noble. It's a it's a stretch. It's going to take us a while to get there. So that's a good vision to start with. You, know, you always want to make sure of that. He then challenged me and said, but we're never going to get there unless we build a company that everybody wants to work for. So the vision's nice. I'm aligned with you on that, he said. But he said, what I really know that we need to do is build a company that everybody wants to work for. And I was like, that was pretty insightful you know and i'm like you're a 100% right that doesn't happen without this and uh and then once alexis picked up on that she came to me and said i want to own that for the company i said do you she said yeah i want to own that i i have a vision I know how important that is. And I told her, I said, well, why don't you go put all that down on paper? Cause I can't see inside your head. And why don't you come back with a job description that we can talk through. And when she came back with that job description, I read it and I'm like, wow. I was blown away. and I said, you're hired. And that's how we got started. But I'll let, I'll let Alexis kind of fill in as well.
0: Yeah, it was, um. I, I think it was really cool because we got a chance to be inspired by a mission, a vision of what we were trying to accomplish. And I think that we la- we lacked that before this interaction, this conversation. And I think that when you see something that you really want to get behind, like a, a concept, a dream, a desire, and you see something you really want to get behind, it's easy to start then imagining what what does it look like? Well, what does a company that's you know that big look like? Um, and so I've always kind of had a knack, uh, um, a God given talent for, for design and seeing. And seeing the vision of things, I'm very grateful for that. So when we sat down, Andy, had made a comment, may made a comment one day about something, something, something brand ambassador. I was like, well, what is a, what's a brand ambassador? I want to know more about that. And so I started doing some research and, and things like that, and I looked into this, somebody who. Can oversee the events the marketing the branding the company culture and and i was like that's what i want to do i feel so passionately about that and so i did i came to him after working one night on the description and i said here it is this is what i want to do and he said he it was like it was like the the leash was let off and i was able to just go um and just start it one thing at a time just chopping away at one thing at a time the thing is is that if you try to overhaul something so abruptly and aggressively and change dynamic it scares people there's there's nothing you know change is scary for a lot of people so what i had to do is i had to be strategic about how i introduced new things into our culture because every company has a culture but not every culture is good so we had a current culture that we needed to I needed to slowly introduce into and once it got once you know it's like a snowball rolling down the hill once it picked up it was faster and faster and faster and now that's kind of where the place where we're at now where it's like what can we do next what 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 investments can we make what event or party can we throw that we can we can create this as a place that everybody wants to work at um so yeah it's been it's been a wild ride
1: No, that's, that's fantastic because culture is something that's talked about a lot, you know, especially in restoration, you know, everyone talks about, Oh, we have great team culture. You can get on and see job postings, great team culture. Well, what does it actually mean? Are people actually putting team culture as a high value, you know, thing for their business, or is it just something they talk about? And, you know, one thing you've kind of mentioned is bringing that in. And now your guys are saying, what can we do next? What kind of impact has that had on your team morale now that you have this culture that everyone wants to be a part of?
0: So we were uh, thinking a little bit about what it was like when we first started because you know we we really think it's important to constantly turn back and look from where we've come from and sit in that gratitude because this is this is something special and everything that we have here at Thomasville the ex- people that we have it's something special so we, we we like to turn back and we were reminiscing um yesterday Andy and I and we were talking about what it felt like then versus what it feels like now and it is the coolest thing to see our team members sharing our posts without being prompted and celebrating our accomplishments and our wins. We just found out um, a couple months ago that we hit top performer for Contractor Connection for the third year in a row, and our team was so ecstatic. And sometimes, if you don't if you don't have that perspective of taking a look back and seeing where you've come from and how hard you've worked to get to those places. You don't value those moments as much, and so you know I was I was trying to think about this from the perspective of of somebody who wants to introduce culture, and you're right, culture is this scary, elusive thing that people don't understand. And the thing is, and the and I, the, the generations that are coming in, you know, I, I, you know, obviously I read why workers quit, so you know, there's a big, you know, there's a big portion of the generations coming in are demanding a good company culture more and more and more, and so getting with the times and being willing to do those hard things, which the hard things are writing the checks, making the investments, you know, maybe making certain team events mandatory so you can create those atmospheres of relaxed conversation. But that means so sometimes those things are scary and that that investment is scary. But um, I, I really feel like as as we started to see it work and we put our ear to the ground and listened to our team and knew what they wanted we were able to create this elusive fearful scary thing called culture and we sometimes you don't even realize you have it but as andy says you don't realize what you have till it's gone so it's about constantly maintaining and loving on your team and making sure your team's happy because it could it could be gone if you don't focus on it
2: yeah and i want to add on uh, that paul um you know i give a lot of credit to Alexis for for the strong culture that and, and we've built and the level of excitement come, you know but she is very intentional about creating the culture that we want the leaders that we selected um, tom and i so our last long site was friday uh, i asked folks that were here during the very first quarterly off-site that we held, when we kind of reinvigorated the brand, Tom and I partnered up and we said, we're going to take this thing to the next level. And I believe that was in July of 2020. And so on this past Friday, I asked people to stand up if they were here for that. And I think it was like five people stood up and we have 110 teammates today. So, and everybody was um, there. You know so tom and i also knew that in order to climb restoration mountain that we were going to have to go out and get a really talented leadership team first and tom and i spent probably about 40 percent of our time in the first 18 months not running the business but literally recruiting interviewing and what we were looking for is not the competency because i can tell from the resume you know, these people have been in the industry for a long time, so you can see the competency is there, but do you share this true deep passion that we do for what we are doing, which is helping families, put their homes and lives back together? Is that real, or is it just a job to you? And then, you know, are are you committed uh, to, to operational excellence? Like, do you aspire to be great? Do you aspire to try to see how high is high? Do you share that? Because Tom and I, we don't sleep. Right. So we, but our expectations of everybody around us are not what the expectations of ourselves are, but we have to at least find people that have those same characteristics, and same desires to be great because ultimately it's going to come down to the leadership that the organization is going to look to, not just Tom, right. As the founder and CEO, they're going to look to that next layer of leadership for like, okay, this same picture that you're talking about as far as culture, is it real? Right, so if the words don't meet, are congruent to the actions what they're seeing, then it, it all falls apart. So we spent a lot of time, in, and we talk about being intentional with the culture that we built. Alexis does an amazing job of that. But Tom and I were very intentional in terms of the leaders that we selected to bring into that leadership team that we knew uh, was going to be required. You know, Alexis on the intentional side, you know, she goes out and as she was building her repertoire of different rhythms in the company, quarterly offsite, Christmas parties, family picnics, team building events, uh, deep sea fishing, you know, rock fishing. I can go on and on, you know, about the different things. she actually is soliciting those ideas from the company. She will send out emails to the company, surveys and says, hey, guys, for team building events, what kind of things can we dream of? And then you know, you always gotta prioritize and um you know those things because you can't afford to do all those things, you know. But but at least you kinda of hear from everybody what's on their minds. And I think that's one thing that she does an amazing job of and then the company that these people see you're like, Hey, that was my idea, and they invested behind it. And then it just you know, they feel like they're driving the company. You know what I mean? And Les I want to give you an opportunity to expound on that.
0: Yeah, so I was thinking because, you know, I know that we're trying to target this towards uh, other members of the restoration industry. So the biggest thing that I felt like was the most effective at the time was I got in the truck with guys. I would go, I would get in the truck with our mitigation crews and I would sit in that truck all day long and I would hang out with them. I wasn't much help, but I would buy them lunch um, and I would just talk to them. I would get to know them personally. And every single time I would do it with our estimators, our project concierge, which are our project managers, and I would do it with our mitigation guys and our contents team. And what came from those? Every single time I came home from one of those ride-alongs, I had a new idea. Our Thomasville soccer team came. That idea came from a ride-along with the project concierge. Um, our oh Autobahn we just did recently came from a ride-along with a mitigation a mitigation crew member. I mean. So when you just sit there and just listen and just talk to them i mean it was it was so incredibly helpful just being in the truck with them riding around all day long clearing my schedule and being intentional about spending my time because it's easy to send out surveys because that's where we're at at this point but but it was a hard it was a hard sacrifice to go and spend my time with that with the team and they and they understood that and they respected that and they loved the opportunity to have an ear to listen for what they wanted in their workplace environment.
1: Absolutely. And, you know, one thing you just mentioned is, you know, sacrificing that time, taking that effort, you know, really going out and about, like, what has your return in investments been for you just in your employee morale? Because one thing you guys said is everybody has a culture, whether or not you know, it's good or bad. So, like, what is that return and investment you guys are seeing for taking that time and effort and you know investment into your team culture?
0: That's all you, you Andy. To take this, yeah. Uh, <laughs> I
2: know if you wanted to start. Uh, I know you have uh, a great perspective on this as well, but uh, given my background in finance, I think that was right down to the sweet spot for me. So, um, <clears throat> you know, I think it's it's interesting. You know, when you think about the return on investment uh, when you're making investments in the brand. Or culture which we believe are inseparable by the way uh, one one feeds the other um you know it's you can measure it in the engagement right and i can't fit that into an excel spreadsheet and that's tough for me because i am a finance guy by trade right and and i need to be able to put things in excel and i need to be able to see one plus one equals two and if it doesn't like i'm ripping it down and i'm like until it works Right. Then I, then my, my world's right. And when you invest in culture and, and I was suggesting even on the brand side, it sometimes doesn't always equal one plus one plus two, but you can see it in the level of excitement that people have about working at your company. You can see it in the engagement that the team has with each other. You can see it when people are coming to you with, Hey, I know you wanted me to do X. I did that and I took it to C. What do you think? And I'm like, bravo. You know what I mean? When you see people going the extra mile, not just treating it as a job, like they, they, they have a sense of, of pride and ownership. I mean that that's a return, right? You can't fit that into an Excel spreadsheet, right? And what I told Alexis is like, you know, for all of the doubters out there, the way to figure out whether you're getting a return is stop doing all that pull out all the investment in the brand and the culture and just see what happens for a little while just try it because you you'll absolutely be able to measure it then because you'll be able to see how your company was performing before and you'll be able to see how your company was is performing after and i don't think you're going to like the results so who wants to run that science experiment Exactly.
1: And you know, one, one key thing I've seen, and you guys mentioned our book, Why Workers Quit. And another key one is, you know, our latest state of the industry is, you know, hiring's a big issue nowadays, finding good quality candidates. Well, with your guys's, you know, community and the way you've built up your business and your uh, the way you've intertwined Thomas Fillet with your employees, how does that impact your employee referral? You know, everyone wants to work with friends, especially friends that actually enjoy where they work. Are you? How are you guys seeing that in turn of in terms of uh, referrals?
0: So yeah, so we recently did some research and discovered that we were at an eighty percent referral rate. So that means eighty percent of our teammates came from referrals. So we have seen that that has been really successful. And the thing is, when you're looking, when you're looking at two at, at wanting to join a restoration company, and you're looking at two of the comparative um, payment payment structures and two comparative you know travel distances and things like that what additional is there to compare well you're going to compare company culture you're going to compare mm-hmm. growth opportunity you know what the brand looks like how how the team feels about where they're currently working and you know we've one of the biggest things that we've done in the past two years is introduce thomasville university and we do not just professional development but personal development so we give our team an opportunity to learn about the five love languages and psychology 101 and accounting and you know business practices things that they can learn about for themselves that help grow them because we're not just developing good restorers we're developing we're hoping to help develop good people and we want people to buy into that concept so if you're in that comparison aspect you know we want to be a place that everybody wants to work for, and when you have people who are happy where they're working, they're gonna shout Thomasville's names from the mountaintops, and so, and that's what we've seen. I mean, that's that's the clear, you know, the clear steps that we've that we've seen that people have been taking. That they're constantly telling their friends about it. And it was funny. I was talking to a a friend of mine at um, at one of the offsites, a team member friend of mine. And she was like, I tell everybody about Thomasville, even if I don't think they wanna work here. I want everybody to know because the really sad fact of the matter, and especially with this generation, my generation of millennials is that majority of people don't like where they work. And that breaks my heart. I I hate that because I don't know what that feels like. And I'm grateful that I haven't, I mean, the previous companies, you know, I've had some of, you know, not the greatest, but when you come alive in a culture like this, where everybody's just so bought in, Um, you know, that's what we want to spend as much time as focusing on, because the thing is, is everybody knows a good person and you want a good person to be the person who wants to come and work for your team Mm -hmm. and having that ability to train like using Thomasville university. And then we can get people, you know, we can get people ramped up a lot quicker than we could five years ago and things like that. And, you know, we're we're always growing and building, but yeah, it's been, it's been very, very successful.
2: Yeah. Paul, well, I think the other thing that Alexis that a really great job of and uh, is, is providing a window into all of those things. And the window I'm referring to is through social media, right? So I think about, you know, when my family sees the things on social media, they're consuming that content that Alexis creates so beautifully and they see what we're doing as a, as a company. Like, it's really cool it's not why we do it but it is cool when my cousins or my uncles or my friends call us hey i saw that video of your christmas party that thing was off the hook you guys are like killing it having a good time you're like i can feel the energy radiating from your company through social media right and then so and i think about somebody that's you know on the front lines right not not you know, uh, up in the castle, and they're getting that same feedback, right, from their friends and family, right? When they are in the video at a family picnic, right, on a beautiful setting, and you see everybody playing games and having fun and cooking on the grill and just, you know, um, and you and you got to be intentional about having a videographer there. You got to have intentional, uh, got to be intentional about having a photographer there, right? Because. At the end of the day, we want to capture some of those moments, right? Because when we're climbing Restoration Mountain, we want to be able to look back over the years and see all those key moments of the brand, all those little bricks that were put in place, you know, that built the fabric of, of Thomasville. And then on top of that, we also want to be able to tell our story. And I think um, one of the things that I absolutely bring with me from my past experience is about telling the story, right? Build a great team build a great product or service, and tell a great story. Those are the three key ingredients to building any great company, right? And um, and I think so telling story is often overlooked. And a lot of times smaller companies will go, well, oh, I can't afford to do that. And why are we doing that? It's easy to look down on it and say, we either can't afford it or it doesn't make sense. What's that going to do for us? But if you are, if you want to build that culture and you want to provide that window, then be intentional about those details as well.
1: No, that's fantastic. Cause I, you know, I've worked at a couple of companies where it was not the best culture. And it is very easy to say, okay, I need to find an exit strategy, or there's no way I'm going to be able to make it a year here. So, no, that's fantastic. So, kind of j- jumping into our last little segment here, you know, if we have a smaller restoration company or someone who's looking to reinvest in their culture that's listening to this, what are one or two maybe first initial steps or things to look at to maybe help? change that culture or kind of where do they start where it's the good application to get going.
0: So the first thing for me, like I said, is knowing what your mission is. What is your mission? What are you trying to accomplish with your company? Knowing what your mission is and your vision and what where you're trying to get Um, the values come into play obviously knowing what is going to be the most important to your core of who your company is. Ours is family first, compassion and communication in that order so we which was actually kind of funny we we asked our team at one of our off-site meetings we sat down and had everyone pick three we put them all up on the board and we i mean we wrestled with them our whole company our whole company was included in making that stake in thomasville having those as our three values um so knowing what you what it is that you want to accomplish with your company outside of you know the actual restoration aspect like ours is helping families put their homes and lives back together and our vision is to be the number one restoration company in the mid-atlantic and every single one of our teammates can repeat that if you stepped in front of them and asked them because we're constantly driving it it's exactly who we are and what we're trying to do we push it all the time because we need everyone to keep in mind why they're doing it so when they have those hard days at at work and their dad when we had a seven story water four story water loss on christmas eve at nine o'clock so our team members were working all, all all night long when they could have been home with their families but they were helping put those families homes and lives back together and they wanted to be number one so they worked harder and faster and stronger than than the, than the guys next to them. So knowing what that mission is, and then once you have a clear idea of what you're trying to accomplish, what your mission is, what your vision is, and what your values are, and you have aligned and decided that the brand that you currently have is the brand that you wanna run with, now we made some adjustments. We Our logos were maroon and the text was gray. I I tweaked it a little bit, but I, we never lost the integrity of our brand. I, I wanted to have some little bit crisper, cleaner, more modern colors and things like that. And then you just—it's one thing at a time. Start with your marketing material. Start with your letterhead. Start with your—if you want to start to make those investments—start with your vehicles. Now our letter, our trucks were lettered before we decided to wrap one vehicle. We did one, and we were like, "This is cool. Let's do them all." So uh, we—you know—we made an investment, and Andy didn't want to at first because <laughs> it was going to be over the, the uh, right. I'm dang glad we did. I'll tell you that. It,
2: 67 <laughs> mobile billboards. Running around the mid-Atlantic region, all the different, uh, you know, people that have seen our vehicles and the feedback that we've gotten, it's, it's like buying you guys stuff, the best looking vehicles on the road. So people are seeing us all the time. It's a little bit more money. And at first I was just like, oh, we need to do that. And then once we did a few of them at first, so I told my partner, Tim, our founder, I said, look, we'll do a few. And then as we buy new vehicles, we'll wrap those, but we're not going back and wrapping, you know, 40 other ones at the time. wrap them had and um and then but the feedback was so tremendous and Tom was like we won't do we'll keep doing it over five years you think you want to wrap the whole fleet I'm like i want to wrap the whole fleet. Let's <laughs> do. you know and so that was a significant investment because you know that costs you know anywhere from two to three grand per vehicle to do mm-hmm. um but i would tell you that the return on that investment has been nothing short of, of amazing um you know so again i'm a finance guy i'm looking to try to put that in, in excel and it's like it's not computing like it's not showing me any expected value i can't right. measure that. but what i can tell you is the response i can tell you how our team feels i can tell you the feedback that we've gotten from customers from property managers from you know people that open doors and take help thomas will take it to the next level they see that we're investing they see that we're serious they see how tight we're showing up so they they can smell it. So when people smell that there's a team or an individual, right, um, we're a company or a brand that really is trying to take things to the next level and see how high it's high, it's amazing outpouring and support that you'll get from places you weren't even expecting.
0: Yeah, yeah. So, um, so I have four, actually. I just thought about two other ones. So, Mission, mission, values, define your brand. And defining your brand is getting it on paper. Know your colors, know your fonts, know your logos, know your icons, and have it in one place so you're consistent across every single thing that you do. So that's really important. The next thing that I would say is find your cheerleader. Every company's got a cheerleader. That cheerleader could be the person who you know, always brings donuts in, or somebody who always makes sure that all of the paperwork, I mean, all the paperwork in the office is restocked. Um, Somebody who is the person who always puts like, you know, cards and balloons on somebody's birthday, find your cheerleader and then talk to them. Talk to them about what kind of things that they would love to see happen in your environment. If that is, it could just be a lunch just having a lunch or a dinner or you know going bowling there's some very inexpensive team building things that you can do that don't cost the investment they cost time you got to be willing to put in the time and leverage the use of that i was i was head of coordination prior to stepping into head of brand and culture and i would still do some of those things, plan monthly birthday lunches and, you know, having those opportunities and those opportunities to recognize your team, but for your team to recognize each other as well and create that relationship outside um, and then talk to your team. I think that the best way to talk to your team is going to be one on one conversations. If you start a town hall and you don't know how that conversation is going to shift, it it might not be as productive as you would hope. So having those sit down conversations, start with your leadership and then work your way. And, but it needs to be from all levels. You have to know what all levels are feeling, not just leadership. You've got to have that level of visibility. So uh, mission, vision, values, identify your brand, find your cheerleader, and talk to your team. Those are really the four things that I would recommend. And all of that is a lot of time investment, very, very little financial investment. When you're ready to make those financial investments, make them and do it quickly and without hesitation because they're going to pay off.
2: Guys,
1: this is absolutely fantastic. While we wrap up here, let everyone know where they can find you, where they can find you on social media, where they can take a look at this amazing brand and culture you have. Where can they find you?
0: Yes, yes, yes. So you can find us at Thomasville Restoration on Facebook, LinkedIn, and Instagram. And you can find us on the web at www.tvr247.com.
1: So. Perfect. Thank you so much. This has been amazing. Can't wait to see what's uh, ne- coming next from you guys. There you have it. Thanks again to Andy and Alexis from Thomasville for sharing those incredible insights with our listeners. As you heard, you can check them out at tvr247.com. This is the first ever episode of the Restoration Playbook podcast. So if you like it, please share it with your friends and give it a good rating wherever you get your podcasts. And remember, you can get free access to my comprehensive day one water mitigation checklist for free by heading to tryknowhow.com slash podcast one. Thanks for tuning in and we'll see you guys again soon.